an hour of truth for the battered but proud people of the Empire State. From the financial and entertainment epicenter of New York City to the sleeping and empty small cities and towns of upstate, which once bustled with manufacturing, mining, and farming. We all know from inspiration, history, and nature, we deserve a return to the success and growth of generations past, a birthright being squandered by corruption in Albany, and the depredations of an insecure, scheming mountebank posing as governor, who loathes both us and himself. As liberty beckoned to enslaved peoples behind the Iron Curtain via American broadcasts after World War II, we now say, believe, rise, and join us. Welcome to Radio Free New York. Hey guys, welcome to Radio Free New York. This is our first five-day-a-week show, and I'm here with Bob Savage. Yeah, five days a week. And by the way, we send a shout-out to our uh, network affiliate, WAC, uh, out in Newark, a radio station I worked at way back when, when I was in high school. And uh, they've just added a new FM signal like uh, two weeks ago. So not only will you hear WAC on 1420 AM, uh, I believe it's 96.9. I'm trying to verify that right now. Uh, They don't have it on their website, Uh, but I think they're 96. Yes, here it is. Uh, And, uh, oh, okay, great. So it's uh, listenable in Penfield. So that's good to hear. So they just added that brand new. So anyway, welcome aboard WAC AM and FM, and thanks very much for joining us for Radio Free New York. Yeah, yeah, no, that's great. So now we're on uh, five stations. Five frequencies. Five five frequencies. Places on the dial. Yep, Yep, absolutely. Um, So if you're listening to the show and you're saying, hey, I can't get Radio Free New York where I am, you got to call up your local station and, and ask them for it, I guess. That's that right. If, yep. if for some reason, you know, you're listening to uh, either WAC or WYSL in the Rochester area, you go back to your hometown, you can't get the signal uh, wherever you have your hometown station call us. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So uh, it is a very pretty day out there today. It's, everything's kind of nicely coated with snow. There's a little bit of, you know floating fluffy things going on out there. Yeah, I just want to point out it's still snowing. Yeah, yeah, it's still snowing. Um it has not stopped. I don't know how much snow we're supposed to get, but it it's talking about a snow. total of six to ten in most parts. Oh there you go. So light dusting here in uh upstate New York. Um so this being the uh the first five day show, we're gonna pick up a little bit where we left off on Friday or well technically Wednesday, but aired on Friday and Wednesday. Um, we were, we were talking a little bit about the New York state budget crisis, uh, what's going on there, where things are falling short. And I want to talk about ballot access in New York state because, um, Cuomo and, uh, you know, his buddies, of course, they did this thing where they snuck some stuff in the budget that's not truly budget related. One of those things being campaign finance. Um, which if you follow what Cuomo has been doing and pushing for, um, that would make sense to you because they want publicly funded elections. So that part being in the budget makes sense to you. The part that shouldn't make sense being in the budget would be um, that they're changing the rules for how parties become parties in New York uh, because they're trying as hard as they can to eliminate third parties, to eliminate competition, and to silence people's voices. So that's what we're going to talk about later on in the show. Um, But before we do that, we're going to wrap up the budget crisis. Just remember, folks, Democrats always want to take away choice. They always want to take things away from you. 
Yeah, and and certainly at this point, we're talking about literally you're they're silencing people's voices with this. And um, when we talk about, it, we're going to talk about how this is a committee that was not elected; it was appointed. Um, and whatever they say goes unless the legislature quickly reconvenes and cancels it within 20 days. And we're already, I think, five five days into it already. So there's there's not a lot of time. Um, so let's let's talk about the New York State budget real quick, though. Um, I'm going to give you guys a brief recap. Those of you who may not have heard the show before, um, I want to bring you guys up to speed because this is really, really important. Um, first thing right off the top, first thing you need to know is that we're looking at a six to eight billion dollar deficit over the next two to three years because of this budget. Now, my and, question is, is that annually or is that the overall for I the entire period? spread. Um, okay. You know, so as I was reading some of the stuff, I think some of the news articles were like, yeah, there's an $8 billion deficit. Um, I don't believe that's this year. It, as I looked at it, I think it was closer to like 2.8 for this year. Um, but $2.8 billion, I mean, that's billion with a B. You know, that, yeah, not that's that that's not horrible money. Yeah. You know, that's that's a crazy amount of money. Um, I don't even know how to quantify. I'm sure somebody could tell you how many twenty dollar bills that is stacked to the moon or something like that. You know, it's this is an insane amount of money. We should not be falling short on this at all. Um, the biggest expense that is that is causing this is actually Medicaid. Um, and it's important to note that because when we talk about single payer health care and we talk about Medicare for all, um, we need to talk about the fact that all of those people on Medicaid would be on that Medicare for all plan. So if we're already short two point eight billion dollars um, and that is, you know, the largest contributing factor is the cost of Medicaid. And we know that close to 30 percent of the New York state population is currently on Medicaid. Um, that Amazing. Should, that should give us some numbers, some ideas, some projections here on how just negative <laughs> we're going to go if, if we move to that type of system. Um, now, of course, Cuomo like praised the budget. He thought this was the, just the greatest thing since sliced bread. Sure, because you're um, spending more money. Yeah, and as exactly. we as we've observed on this show, Democrats and liberals always their metric for success in government is how much money you're spending. Yeah, and that's that's a big issue. That's a huge issue. You know, it's and it's maybe one of those differentiators. You could say, you know, the further left you go. The, the more they think spending money equals success. Um, and and t- once you start going towards the right, um, you, you look at it not so much as less spending money, but maybe um, being more efficient, you know, as, as you taper off and then you keep going and then you do get to the point on the right where it's like, yeah, you know, spending no government, no government money, no pa- taxpayer money is, you know, the further you go is, is kind of how that scale works. Um, but yeah, so Cuomo was really excited about this. He did a press release, you know, he called this, um, the strongest progressive budget they have ever made. Um, and, uh, we talked a little bit about what, what does he mean by strongest? I think that just means the most money they've spent. Uh, that's, that's really how I feel about that. Um, 
So he went on to do a few things like thanking his team from the far left, which I felt was um, certainly just kind of reaching out to as many voters as he can. He's still campaigning. Like he hasn't stopped campaigning. His whole press release about the budget was like a campaign stump speech about, you know, New York, this New York, that progressive, progressive, progressive spend, spend, spend. Um, But wait a minute. He still wanted to blame some other people for how high the budget was. So this is this is a very um, opposing structure, if yeah, you will. It's, it's, it's because, a, 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 yeah, contradictory, and, and yeah. Uh, it's basically a form of self congratulation. Yeah. It's self aggrandizement. Look, uh, what a wonderful thing we've done here. Oh, and by the way, there's some people out there that might vote for me that think that maybe spending like. A ridiculous amount of money and going into big deficits is not a good idea. So we've got to figure out a way to blame that on somebody. Yeah, yeah. So I, I as if he had it, nothing to do with Medicaid. Yeah, I I found it just really strange that for one moment, and th- this was only separated by maybe thirty seconds. If you watch the press release, at first he's like boasting like how much money we're spending, like it is the best thing ever, and then he does a complete one eighty and goes, but you know it's other people's fault that we're spending this money, um, and starts kind of like demonizing it. He starts blaming the federal government. Um, he blames Amazon for not coming to New York. Um, he very oddly blames the criminal justice system. Um, he blamed traffic in New York City, which was just hilarious to me. Blamed the weather at one point. Yep, yep. he blamed weather, extreme weather and climate change, um, and then political extremism. So he's he's gone to everything. He's, he's blamed, blamed the federal government, private industry, local government, uh, traffic, people's commutes, the weather... And ideology. Those are, uh, you know, what I was political extreme. What does he mean by political extremism? Anybody who disagrees with him? Probably. Uh, that's that's my guess. That's I think that's a, a dog whistle to um, anybody who dislikes Trump. I, I think that's what that is. So, um, you know, my takeaway from that is uh, if you don't agree with Cuomo or if you're just not Cuomo, the budget's your fault. That's that's what I took out of that. All right, guys, we're going to take a quick break here on Radio Free New York. We'll be back in a moment. Your business relies on computers and technology to operate. Slow, unreliable networks and servers can cause unplanned downtime and affect your bottom line. The experts at Simple Tech Innovations are here to help. Their preventative maintenance program ensures that your computers and network are kept up to date and monitored for any issues, keeping your business running smoothly. They also help clients achieve HIPAA, PCI, and New York State cybersecurity compliance to keep your network safe. Safe and secure. Whatever your business IT needs are, Simple Tech Innovations should be your first call. They've won the best in Rochester eight years in a row and have an A plus Better Business Bureau rating. Call them today for a free consultation at 585 200 3182. That's 585 200 3182. Simple Tech Innovations. You're listening to Radio Free New York. 
So anyway, welcome uh, to Radio Free New York. Now, Andrew, uh, just want to uh, update everybody. The On uh, terrestrial radio in the Rochester area, you hear us on 1040 AM, 92.1 FM, 95.5 FM West. Over towards the east, WAC in Newark, WACK 1420 AM and 96.9 FM. And now all the social media platforms that we're on. Yeah, the- yeah. So we're on uh, YouTube, Twitter, Periscope, and Facebook as well. So if you're uh, outside the coverage area or maybe you need to catch the show later, um, I always recommend you pop over on YouTube. Um, you go to YouTube and search Andrew C. Hollister. You'll find the Radio Free New York page right there. Uh, you can hit subscribe, then click the bell. The bell will notify you when the show goes live. And uh, say you're working, you can't step away from work, or you just want to listen to it later, uh, YouTube will kind of list out all the shows right there for you. Real easy to find, real easy to see. Um, and if you are with us live on social media, uh, you can do what some people are doing right now, which is jump on Facebook or YouTube or Twitter and post some comments, uh, ask some questions, contribute to the conversation i check it throughout the show um try to uh, you know respond to your guys questions and comments which i'm going to do here in a moment but before i do i want to wish yolana my wife a happy birthday happy birthday so, yolana yep so today's her birthday um we've got uh, some fun stuff going on later but i figured i'd give her a little birthday shout out while i'm here on the air instead of at home so switching over to social media, Kyle from YouTube actually sent in a comment, which I think is actually uh, important to bring up and address, that the Supreme Court will hear arguments today regarding gun restrictions yes. in New York. Um, so I'm going to put the discussion um, about Cuomo's budget blunder, I'm going to call it, on hold for just a minute so we can talk about the Supreme Court hearing um, case that's being held Um, Let me give you guys a little bit of background. I don't know all the details, but essentially in New York City, there was a law that said you cannot transport your personally owned firearm that you have a permit for, that you went through this rigorous, terrible, overly restrictive process to be authorized to carry a pistol in New York City, um, that you cannot carry that pistol around with you, um, or or I'm not sure if it's specifically pistols now that I'm thinking about it. It may have been long guns as well. Um, you can only carry it to and from the range. That's it. And um, this, this to me is a huge constitutional violation, um, and New York City's government knows that as well because uh, essentially I believe NYSERPA, the New York State Rifle and Pistol Association, um, they're the ones doing this lawsuit with this guy, and they, when the Supreme Court said we're going to hear this case – uh, New York City government was like, oh, just kidding, we're, we're getting rid of the law, and they right. uh, they retracted it and, and got rid of it. Um, so clearly, even the New York City government, their local government, knew that this was a constitutional violation, um, and they're worried now. Right. Yeah, it was, a, it was an attempt to – there's a doctrine of the law called a mootness, something moot. And so if there's no point for the litigation because the law that's being challenged has gone away, uh, this is this is their rubric. This is their little, you know, there's a little scheme to try it because they don't want this tested in the courts because they know it's unconstitutional, as you've yeah. pointed out. Yeah. Uh, and, of course, the minute that the thing gets dismissed for mootness, that measure is going to go right back into effect. 
Yeah, and that's that's my concern. That's my worry, and that's um, that's that's why we're talking about this because my my concern is this. You know, New York City they know that the court is going to say this is unconstitutional, and this would have broad sweeping effects across the nation in terms of. Um, how government cannot violate your rights. Uh, will it fix a lot of the issues we have? No. No, it won't. But it will prevent some of the issues and fix a few that we have today. Well, it could serve as an important uh, uh, precedent. Mm-hmm. And that's something that we sorely need in the gun rights yeah. you know, lobby. We, we, we need to have legal precedent that we can take to other jurisdictions. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what what they did is they repealed the law and – I assume their argument is going to be, um, hey, the law doesn't exist anymore. We don't need this court case. Let's get rid of it. And then within weeks, if not any time at all, um, they'll just reinstate the law or they'll pass it in the next session or whatever, um, which which to me is just like awful. So I'm hoping – uh, the the court does not dismiss the case. I'm hoping that this case does go through. Um, I'm hoping that in arguments they say, hey, this case has to happen because um, maybe this law was repealed already, but who's to say it couldn't come back or in another part of the nation? Well, there's such a thing as a declaratory judgment. Uh, and I, I, don't, I mean, I, I've never practiced before the Supreme Court, before SCOTUS, so I don't know if that sort of thing is procedurally possible. I can't see why it wouldn't be. So what is that? A declaratory judgment basically says that uh, any measure of this type is unconstitutional per se Mm. uh, because of, because of, you know, whatever rationale they argue. Uh, But uh, it would certainly include uh, some kind of an unconstitutional taking Mm -hmm. of personal property because you're interfering with the use of personal property to such a degree. You don't get the benefit of ownership. Yeah, yeah. The reasons you got it sure. to begin with? Yeah. No, absolutely. Yep. Yeah, so... Like, that, like it's like a law that says, well, you can have that car, but it can't have any can't wheels. It. Yeah. It can't exactly. have any wheels on it whatsoever. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's that's what the issue is. So I'll actually be monitoring the court case fairly closely. Um you know, and and really take a look at what's going on. I'll bring that information back to you guys. I I don't know if the Supreme Court is like other courts where like the first day is usually like wasted. You know, you show up, you say a few things, and then adjourn till like two months out. Or uh, you know. I don't think so. Yeah, um, I did see in a few places that we wouldn't expect a ruling till June. So. Um. Yeah, you know what? There's a division of opinion on that. The uh, what the the gun control nuts would like to see is a decision in June. Okay. Uh, but there's rumblings, and I'm not sure what the back channel is. Rumblings to the effect that there could be a ruling on this much sooner, as mm. early as oh, I know, it was from Frank Panasuk at the uh, 1791 pack, mm. uh, the gun rights pack in Western New York. His Sources tell him that there could be a ruling as early as a couple of months from now, okay. maybe you know like January, February, March. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Uh, and uh, the uh, if that were to happen, that would indicate, in all likelihood, that this law is going to be struck down. So that would be good news for Second Amendment advocates. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that that right there is. Um it's always interesting to me how long court cases take. So, you know, this starting today, uh, we'll we'll probably have a little bit of information by the end of the day, but certainly um, we're not going to know much more than that. 
So well, the, what you get is the handicappers. You know, there's got all these people sitting in in the chamber mm-hmm. watching, you know, the proceedings and listening to the questions being put uh, to the appellant by uh, by the justices, individual justices. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that indicates something. Sometimes it doesn't. Sure. Uh, yeah, you yeah. never know. I mean, the questions point. might indicate one thing, but mean the opposite. Uh, the handicappers love doing that. It's a dangerous hobby, I have to say. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I do want to welcome a few of you to the show, some of you guys who are commenting in on social media. Um, Dan, Lisa, Kyle, Nate, thank you guys so much. Um, definitely if you guys have questions or things to contribute to the conversation, pop over on social media, either Facebook or YouTube, and uh, comment here on the live stream as it's going on. Um, and if you catch it later, feel free to comment later too. I do go back, I review the comments, I answer them myself, um, or I use your comments and questions to create the next show so um you know any of that stuff is pretty good we're going to shift the discussion back to um our state budget crisis because this is a serious issue we're talking a six to eight billion dollar deficit over the next two or three years um which if anybody remembers the last time we had a deficit close to this high it was the recession so that's it's not good. It's an issue. Um, and what came out of this was pretty interesting to me. Cuomo had a first hundred days of justice plan, which I hadn't even heard of it. And I follow things I feel like pretty well. Um, so I'm going to, before we take the break here, just read off um, what he said those points were. And then the crazier thing to me is at the time of that press release, they were on day 90. I'm like, so you had this 100-day plan and we're already <laughs> done with it and nobody knew about it. Um, so those things are uh, make a progressive tax system in New York, cut middle class taxes and fight salt, uh, protect quality affordable health care, codify reproductive rights and enshrine gender equality into law combat gun violence launch 150 billion dollar infrastructure plan fund and restructure the mta ensure education equality ensure fairness in the criminal justice system pass the dream act ensure clean safe drinking water for all improve democracy democracy increase trust in democracy Protect public sector unions. Keep affordable housing affordable in New York. Pass the Child Victims Act. Protect LBGTQ. And legalize adult recreational use of marijuana. We're going to talk about those things when we come back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. On Radio Free New York. Why do businesses choose to move their website from Wix and Squarespace to Simple Tech Innovations? Maybe it's their excellent customer service or attention to detail. Maybe it's their ability to give a truly customized solution. Or perhaps they just like the fact that Simple Tech is a local small business that builds great relationships with its clients. Whatever the reason may be, you can rest assured knowing that the local team at Simple Tech has your best interest in mind when building or updating your website there. 
are hands-on and love helping customers achieve their goals. But don't take my word for it. They've won the best in Rochester eight years in a row and have an A-plus Better Business Bureau rating. If your website doesn't match your dreams or isn't achieving your goals, give the professionals at Simple Tech Innovations a call today for a consultation at 585-200-3182. That's 585-200-3182. Simple Tech Innovations. Radio Free New York. We are back with Andrew Hollister. We're back here on Radio Free New York, and it sounds like we've got a caller on the line. Well, we do now. It took me a minute to switch him. Rick Rick from Rochester. How you doing, bud? Hey, how you doing, Andrew and uh, Dr. Savage? Hey, I really appreciate this program. And by the way, just so you know, I did drop uh, my vote on the libertarian line for yourself and your running mate there. I definitely Uh, appreciate it. Thank you so much. Well, I will continue to support that, too. And I just wanted to bring up SB 660 because I think people aren't aware of what that really is. I support a group called Compass Care, which is an alternative to abortion uh, center. And it's anything but uh, allowing reproductive rights. What it's doing, it's limiting the voice of somebody else to be able to freely express their religious beliefs in business by forcing them to hire people that have uh, an an opposite uh, opinion on what their mission statement is. It's really tragic. Yeah, yeah. So as I'm I'm reading this, and I I thank you so much for bringing the bill to my attention because I, I this is the first time I'm seeing it. But what it looks like the bill does, and there's there's a whole bunch of points here, is that say you were an organization like Compass Care, and I'm I'm not totally familiar with with what they do, but it sounds like they provide services to give an alternative to abortion. Is that right? Is that yeah, correct? It's a counseling organization. Okay. And exactly. Yeah. Yeah, they do ultrasounds and stuff like that, and they do give people options. Yeah, yeah. So what it sounds like is this bill, which passed, by the way, I, I didn't even – like I said, the first time I'm hearing about it, looks like it passed. Governor Cuomo already signed it, um, would essentially make it so that if if somebody who was working there had an abortion or something along those lines – um, and they felt that that was in direct conflict with their mission statement. They couldn't let them go, and they couldn't have access to any, like medical information to even know that that happened. Is that is that accurate based on your understanding? Yeah, and it, it, what it's pretty much saying though is it can allow you know a fox in the hen house. It's going to allow sure. somebody. It would be like me going to Planned Parenthood as a, a against abortion person and demanding that I be employed there and be able to put my message in front of them. At least that's the way I understand it. And what's really troubling is Senator Roebuck voted in favor of this thing. Yeah. The, just quoting from the Compass Care website here, uh, January 22nd, 2019, the legislature passed SB 660, the boss bill is what they call it. Senate Bill 660 prevents Compass Care or any other you know, like-minded organizations, from employing people who believe and behave consistently with the religious beliefs and mission of their organization. It forces this violation of constitutional rights under threat of enforcement and crippling lawsuits. It requires Compass Care and other like-religious and pro-life organizations to promote and normalize to its employees abortion and standards of sexual conduct that run counter to its purpose statements of faith and principles. 
Thank you for looking that up, Doctor, because that's exactly what I read, and uh, it's better to read those words than what my opinion is on it. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And I am kind of like scrolling through the law here, and I'm I'm reading it kind of quickly. But one of the things I think is interesting is that this could potentially not be limited just to, say, compass care or something like that, um, because it mentions like drugs and other medical records. So it would be interesting to see if this was applied to, say, um, a rehab group as well, you know, a group that um, maybe is helping people with alcohol abuse or some other abuse. And does this bill limit their ability to do drug testing and things like that in this scenario? And could you potentially have somebody in these you know, rehab facilities um, now able to – or now in a situation where they should be counseling people how to get off a drug or an addictive substance? And if they themselves are on it, they can no longer be let go until they get better and get help. Um, so that's something I had to read because I do see there's stuff about the decision to use or access particular drugs, um, certain medical services. So it, it's something I'm going to have to read more. But this doesn't sound um, like government allowing you to make free decisions. No, it's exactly the opposite. <laughs> it doesn't sound right, like that to right, me Right, Rick? Yeah, and, and – and, and that's what I'm saying. I mean, you know, it works both ways to say that you're going to trample on somebody else's right to freedom of uh, expression and really speech uh, as a result of, you know, a progressive agenda that says, well, OK, it's our way or the highway, which is more and more how we're being bullied in the state. And just to clarify, you know, I have a call into Senator Robach's office right now, so I haven't heard back from him. And I don't like to try to beat people up with any of this, but it's just like the, you know, the camel getting his nose under the tent. I mean, it, yeah. this is happening with all, with all our rights, which has led me more towards a libertarian ideal because not controlling the Senate or, or the assembly. Oh, he went away. But uh, I think we got the point though. I appreciate the call very much, uh, Rick. Uh, um, uh, just wanted to, there's one more quote here. I wanted to, uh, of course, it went away, so pulling it back up on my phone here. Oh, pro-life staff at Compass Care empower women considering abortion with comprehensive information and support so they can make the healthiest decision. Uh, SB 660 reveals the true intent of New York State to ensure a woman has no choice other than abortion. And uh, if you want to uh, get their uh, take on this thing, you can go to realabortionnews.com, and that is Compass Care's one of their sites. But uh, it, it, it's it's clearly, you know... It, Again, earlier in the program, we made the uh, observation, Andrew, that what liberals want to do, what leftists want to do is take away choice. Mm. They want to remove things from you. They want to restrict your rights. They want to take away money from you, you know, because that's what a a $2 billion budget deficit does. That comes right out of your wallet. That's not just some some number that they're talking about. That's going to have to be made up, and you're going to have to help. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think that um, a key phrase to to put in here is freedom of association, right? Because I I think we have a document somewhere that protects that. You know, it's kind of important. It's called the the Bill of Rights. First thing on there. Uh, Liberals Um, and leftists don't like the Bill of Rights because it interferes with their agenda. Yeah, and so when you see bills 
come up like this. And it doesn't have to be about the topic of abortion. Abortion is an extremely um, divisive topic. You could take this and apply it to anything, any type of government um, regulation or law that takes away your freedom of association as an individual, um, as a private company, that sort of thing is a bad thing. You know, it shouldn't matter if you happen to agree or not. You may agree with it. You may disagree with it. That part should be irrelevant. We should all be asking ourselves, even if we agree or disagree, um, does this bill take away one of my rights? Does this bill take away the ability for a company to have a specific mission statement um, and not have freedom of association or disassociation of individuals that they feel are in conflict with their mission statement? Um, once again, apply it to anything. When you see that and when you hear that, that should trigger something as, oh, this is a bad thing because what if the roles were reversed? Um, what if the roles go to something I disagree with? Um, I think that one of the things that as humans, when we see something we agree with, even if it may go against a core principle we have, sometimes I feel like there's that gut feeling that, yeah, I should agree with this. Um, but we all need to stop take a step back and go, hmm, how could this be abused? How, how could this be used in a way um, that is wrong? How, could, how does this infringe on somebody else's rights? Um, so like this bill right here, sounds pretty clear to me that freedom of association is being taken away from private organizations. Um, so even if you think that when you first heard this bill, maybe you thought it was a good thing. Um, just can I think about the fact that somebody's losing their freedom of association. So, all right, guys, we're going to take another break here on Radio Free New York. When we come back, I'm going to tell you about what Cuomo snuck in the budget. We're going to talk about it on Radio Free New York. Yeah, here uh Radio Free New York at this spot on the radio dial every weekday at this time. And we appreciate you tuning us in. And uh, welcome to our new friends out at WACK in Newark, 1420 AM, 96.9 FM. We'll be back. Your business relies on computers and technology to operate. Slow, unreliable networks and servers can cause unplanned downtime and affect your bottom line. The experts at Simple Tech Innovations are here to help. Their preventative maintenance program ensures that your computers and network are kept up to date and monitored for any issues, keeping your business running smoothly. They also help clients achieve HIPAA, PCI, and New York State cybersecurity compliance to keep your network safe safe and secure. Whatever your business IT needs are, Simple Tech Innovations should be your first call. They've won the best in Rochester eight years in a row and have an A-plus Better Business Bureau rating. Call them today for a free consultation at 585-200-3182. That's 585-200-3182. Simple Tech Innovations. Radio Free New York. Ah, hear them speak. We're not going to make America great again. It was never that great. We have not reached greatness. We will reach greatness when every American is fully engaged. 
Yeah. In, in other words, when everybody agrees with me, and I'll let you know when we've achieved greatness. <laughs> It'll be great when I say it's great. Yeah, yeah. And and all those people in shock when he said that were like his closest of buddies. Too. I know. Isn't that amazing? That yeah. I mean, I don't know if they were they were horrified because he actually said it mm-hmm. uh, out loud, thereby you know giving up the con, uh, or if they were actually genuinely shocked because it really violates their conscience. But it's just it, it's a window into the soul of Andrew Cuomo, who's a total control freak, yeah, and uh, and you know typical self loathing progressive. Yeah, yeah, and and that that shines right through with uh, what they rammed into the New York State budget. So what they did is they created a public finance, uh, public campaign finance committee um, to fix up campaign finance in New York State. Um, This committee was given a lot of power to essentially change how election law works in New York. Nobody appointed to this committee was um, an elected person. They were all just appointed. Just cronies. Yep, just cronies. And uh, get this, uh, whatever they say goes is basically law within 20 days from when they say it, unless the state legislator decides to repeal um, those decisions. So before oh, isn't I, that nice? Yeah, it's like a yeah. ratcheting provision. Mm-hmm. It, it uh, takes effect, and then uh, now politically, we got to figure out a way to dismantle it if we decide we don't like it. Yeah, we all know what the likelihood of that is. Mm-hmm. So um, the first thing I want to talk about is who's on this committee because I think that's important. Um, so Jay Jacobs. He is the leader of the state Democratic Party. Uh, he just happens to be the one acting as chair of this commission. No conflict of interest there whatsoever. Uh, then the next person served as direct counsel to Andrew Cuomo, um, the state Democratic chair, a campaign manager for Democratic campaigns, a Democratic attorney who served as county legislator oh wait, as a Democrat um, and created the Democratic Lawyers Council. A former Bronx Democratic commissioner, uh, the chief diversity officer for the city of Buffalo. I bet you can assume what the party registration is going to be there. Um, an election law attorney selected by the Democratic Party. And then they kind of threw a bone to the Republicans and said, uh, you can have two seats. <clears throat> so the Republicans chose um, an attorney for their party and somebody who is chief of staff to the Republican leader in the New York State Assembly. So um, kind of a stacked deck here. I'm thinking. Don't you think? Yeah. 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 Yep. Um, So let's talk about what they did. They made a state mandated election holiday with three hours of paid time off to vote. So that that was interesting to me. Three um, hours to vote? Three hours paid time off to vote. I'm assuming the employers are going to be the people paying this paid time off. Either way, you cut so, it. We're going to be paying yeah, for it. Yeah, we're paying for it either way. It's just, you know, what, what side of your pocket um, it's going to come out of. Uh, $10 million for early voting. So there's an estimate of the cost, what early voting costs. So we all, know, we all know why they like early voting, because they feel it benefits them. Yep, yep. Um, which, to be honest, I'll, I'll be very forward about this. Um, I'm not opposed to early voting, um, but I'm definitely opposed to... If you're going to do early voting, I don't know why you would then also make it 
um, employer mandated paid time off. I, I think that it should definitely be one or the other. Um, I don't know that it should be mandated paid time off. I've got some personal issues with that, some philosophical issues with that. Um, but definitely having the ability to get time off to vote is very important. Um, so it'd be really interesting to see what this three hours of paid time off costs employers What's across the demonstration the state? of need for this. Are there people who want to go vote and their employers are saying, no, you can't go vote. Forget it. Well, that that's already illegal. Right. So, you know, um, my guess is what they're saying is people won't leave work because they can't afford to. That's that's what my gut tells me. But they don't have to demonstrate any need. They just kind of have carte blanche power. To do whatever. The polls so, are open until 9, yeah. I believe. In, yeah, and they uh, open early too, right? Well, for general elections, they open at 6. I, yeah. I think it uh, uh, for primaries, I think they typically open at 9. Yeah, Might as well extend right. the hours yeah. of the polls. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, so both of these seem like a great way to milk everybody for money, the employers and the taxpayers. Well, the, the campaign finance thing, that's, that's a cash cow. Yeah, for sure. Um, allows for same-day what they called advanced voter registration. I have no idea what that means. No clue. Um, as it means you more, show up at the poll, you register, and then you go in and vote. So what that means is George Soros can bring in, you know, a busload of illegal aliens. Sure. And, and you can't ask them for ID. We already That's already yeah, established. That's true in New York. And yeah. nobody knows who the hell they are, and they just they, they register and then they vote. Yeah. So well, it's just a way to stuff the ballot box. And and at this point, even if you could ask for ID, they they might have one in New York. I mean, that's just well, they're going to have these. You know, they're going to have those new. They're going to exactly. have the uh, you know green light uh, law driver's licenses that look like real IDs. Mm-hmm. So you know, uh, and the the poll the poll workers will all be coached in how to not you know not be too uh, uh, curious. Yeah. Yeah. So, so all of this stuff so far is, is technically budget stuff, right? Which, which is what this was created under, under the budget. Um, and including this next point, a hundred million dollars in the budget for public financing of campaigns. Now we're probably going to talk about this in extent tomorrow because it's really important. This totally takes away um, your your freedom of expression and uh, your ability to, you know, have the right to associate with who you do and don't want to. Totally. So we're going to talk about that more tomorrow. Now I want to talk about the part that has absolutely nothing to do with campaign finance that they ran through here as their secret agenda. Um, and that is they want to change the rules as to how you become a party. Oh, there it is. The meat and potatoes, the real thing that they're trying to do here. They change the votes from 50,000 votes every four years in a gubernatorial election to wait for it. 130,000 every two years. So they are so scared and so terrified of people having a voice with third parties. They're terrified of people realizing how absolutely corrupt the Democrats and the Republicans are that at this point they're like, crap, how do we shut down these third parties before it's too late? They're like, OK, um, let's raise the requirement. There's only one or two parties that has above this requirement right now. And let's make it every two years. Now, some people are looking at the numbers and saying, well, you know, this is probably OK because, um, you know, the conservative party got like 200,000 votes last time. 
so they should be fine. Well, every two years, I don't think the conservative party has a way to endorse for president because they're not a national party. So that would exclude basically every party except for the Green Party and Libertarian Party right off the bat. Now, the Libertarian Party, last time around, they got 170,000 votes in the presidential. Um, so they, they might be okay. I'm not sure what the numbers are for Green. Um, but I think that the reason they did two years is to cut out all of those other parties. And then their, their hope is um, they'll probably change it again before the gubernatorial is is my guess. Um, so that that is it. That is what they were trying to do this whole time. That's what they slipped in here, the idea that they are going to figure out how to take away people's freedom of association. And they're doing it in the budget through a election campaign finance committee, which this has nothing to do with campaign finance except for, and this is what we're going to talk about tomorrow, that public funding piece. Imagine what the budget would look like if they had to publicly fund campaigns for six candidates. Well, now now that's a bigger issue. I mean, the $100 million is already too much. Um, but that $100 million, they're hoping to split between Democrats and Republicans. They don't want any other competition. They don't want any other voice. If you are a minority, and when I say minority, I mean somebody who steps outside of the two-party system. If you are somebody who thinks that competition is good, um, extra voices are, are a good thing, and people who are the minority should still have some sort of voice, um, guess what? Cuomo doesn't think so. Neither does the Democratic Party in New York State. They want to take that away, which has been the reoccurring theme of this this whole uh, this whole show here. And it, it wasn't even the intent. It just happens to be the truth. Um, so, guys, thank you so much for joining me on our first five day week show, noon to one. I'll be back tomorrow, and we are going to talk about this. Uh, public funding of elections in New York State. I'll talk to you guys then. Mm -hmm.